The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out Care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Buck Sexton Show. Very pleased, very fortunate to be joined by our friend Michael Berry, the czar of talk, syndicated radio host, Houstonian, Texan, American, Mr. Michael Berry. Honored to have you on, sir. Honored to be with the czar. Glad to be with you, my friend. Yeah. Glad to be with you. Um, how's America doing right now? Let's start with that. Let's just have Mike. I want Michael Berry to tell me what is going on these days in America. America is in a good spot when Buck Sexton can fight Mark Zuckerberg and win, and the whole nation has to watch it. I'm very concerned. I didn't get to hear it, but it has been reported to me by listeners that Clay says that you can't beat Mark Zuckerberg. I'm just going to tell you. I don't know that, if he's squeaking, but I want to weigh in. I'm this, on the this is section. this is a filthy this is a filthy lie. Okay, I I am yeah. stronger than I look, faster than I seem, and more I trained than people would realize. Yeah. Zuckerberg would have you no shot. You got a shot. lot of hair. You got a lot of hair. A lot. Don't underestimate the helmet, right? Well, it protects. I mean, this is the thing people understand. Like someone comes at me, I drop the head down. I could take shots 
right to the cranium. I won't even feel them. It'd be like BBs bumping off of a freight train, not going to do anything. And here's what most people don't know, because I know your dad, and we tend to get our fighting spirit from our dad. I'm pretty sure that Mason is a fighter and a scrapper just based on what I know of him. We tend to inherit that, right? Our dads raise us. So I'm going with you. I don't think Zuckerberg's got to fight in it. I appreciate I appreciate that. And you know, first of all, Zuckerberg, he's about five eight, so I got about four inches on him. And and then he's I kind got of about- a lizard man. You know that woman on the plane that, that got off the plane and she said he's not real? There's one version where he's kind of scripted into there. That that guy's not real. There's something wrong there. It's 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 worse than just his actions and his evil deeds. I, I think he's a lizard man or something. That woman has become a super meme, as I'm sure you've seen online. Yeah, she's kind of sexy. You got to admit, she's kind of sexy. I mean, beca- like, because when of friends her- of mine date crazy women, I always think, man, you know, the freaking the sheets kind of. Yeah. But but you got to deal with that. Like, that's going to make somebody an awful ex-wife. I've been with my wife for 34 years, and I can't imagine having somebody like that in your life. And then when you cut it off, whoo, there's a lot of crazy going on there. I'd like to learn more though. I'd like to know more to that crazy. There's something there. We didn't ever find out, meaning the general public didn't ever find out who she was, right? For anyone who hasn't seen, this is the woman who points and she's (laughs) screaming about how someone's not real on the plane. And it went very, very viral. And it's a, it's a remarkable moment. And it's a remarkable moment. You asked a serious question. Where are we in America? It's a remarkable moment where there's a lack of honesty. There's a lack of discussion. There's a lack of comfort and trust in the public conversation. Buck, I'm sure you get an email a lot that I get, which is, thank you for doing what you're doing because you say what I can't. And I got to tell you, I grew up maybe overly idealistic. I know I know a lot about you, and I know you're an idealistic believer in America's promise and our principle. And the idea that most Americans, particularly conservative Americans, middle Americans, feel like if they were to state their honest opinions, they would lose their job. They would be socially ostracized. They may be arrested. Um, they would be humiliated, heckled, boycotted. This is not the America I dreamed of. This is not the America I believed in. And that bothers me more than a Joe Biden uh, cover up, more than a Hunter Biden. Those are all symptoms of a bigger problem, in my opinion. Michael, is America still a free country? Well, you know, that's a fair question. Uh, No, I, I, I think if you were to come up with the Freedom Index, the answer would be no. And I'm not a person who likes to bash my country. You know, my wife being from India originally, coming here in 1989, she loves this country, but she always laughs that if Americans create a sport and we have a competition and it's only between Texas and Florida, we declare the winner, the world champion. So, you know, I'm a person that believes America is the best in everything. It, it does not delight me to say we're not a free nation. It pains me. But, but I see uh, a level of tyrannical authoritarianism in this country not just related to COVID, but perhaps that was the best example. Um, you've asked a tough question, and I think the answer requires some 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 tough answers, and uh, and that troubles me. That bothers me. Well, I think that if you look just back at what a lot of places had to suffer through during during COVID, we were clearly there was a period of time in which the answer to the question is America a free country was obviously no, right? If they can tell you you can't open your bar. You can't go into your place of business. You can't go to your church. So we did 
for a period of time, ceased to be a free country in, in any meaningful sense, right? Um, there are a lot of places around the world, you're pointing about the Freedom Index, where if uh, even a fraction of what was done during COVID was being done, you have to stay in your home, you have to limit the number of people you have over, we'd say that's an autocracy, that's authoritarianism, um, there's something deeply wrong. But I also am a little bit disappointed not only about how many people went along with it, but now that we know how wrong it was, how few people seem to care. I mean, Michael, I feel like more and more people want to be controlled. Not all of us, but a lot of us. Yes, there there is a security to handing over the parental authority of your life to someone else to crawling into a fetal position and a an all-caring, benevolent, supposedly benevolent government making decisions for you, to trusting them to decide what I put into my body, what time I go to bed. And as you know, many people are escapists and they don't, the, the weight of the world of making these tough decisions is simply too much for them. And, and that's unfortunate. But any government to which you hand over the power to make decisions to do supposedly good things to you can do bad things to you. And as a student of history, you as much or more than anyone else understand the dangers of that. And that's what's scary is when people don't understand why we need this level of independent uh, thought and action, because it's not all comfort and, and, and blankets from the government. What do you make of all the back and forth over uh, recently? It's been, politicization of the FBI, I mean, I think we could take for granted here, we could take for a settled part of this. Yeah, the FBI's politicized. There's been very bad stuff that's happened, that's clear. But I, I do feel like a little bit on, on the right, we, we've become addicted to, well, we're going to have some, some good Republican congressmen, they're going to have a hearing, and they're going to pound the table, and they're going to ask some questions. And we're going to talk about it on our shows, and it's going to be on cable news at night. And then what? Do you know what I mean? I, I do think there's a little bit of a, what is this all supposed to accomplish? Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, you and I are supposed to just be, I mean, look, let's, let's lay the cards on the table. Talk radio is doing better than it's ever done. It's, it's making more money than it's ever made. Uh, conservative media, our careers are booming. That does not delight me. You know, it, it does not make me, I'm not Pfizer. I don't want a nation, uh, you know, under the throes of an epidemic. I want what's good for my country. I still believe those naive ideas that I believed in. You still believe those naive ideas that led you to want to serve the country and the CIA. I still believe, you know, my brother was a was a just over 30 year police officer. So I've always believed in the law enforcement officer and the mantra and the creed and the motto and the service and the selflessness and the sheepdog. And and I always, you know, I loved the stories of the FBI catching the bad guys. And I see what's happening with this incredibly, and the FBI is more powerful than it's ever been before. It's not just a guy with shoe leather and a gun and a badge who can go out and arrest somebody. It's a guy now, and you know with your CIA background, it's, it's guys with technology. It's guys with the ability to, to shut down your life, to, to do things that we've never had the capability to do before. It's all powerful. And, and I truly do believe that at the top ranks, I think they're still good, good FBI agents, but at the top ranks, um, it's people that, that have crossed over to the dark side, and I'm not sure they have a limitation on what they're willing to do. And that scares me. 
I want to come back here in a second and ask Michael to answer the the question. What are you seeing right now in the Republican primary uh, that is most noteworthy to you? But we'll get to that in a second, Michael. Let's talk for a second here about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Tunnel to Towers delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes like Marine Corps Corporal Seth Rasmussen. Seth was one of five Marines killed in a training accident when his Osprey aircraft crashed in California. He was just 21 years old. Seth is survived by his wife and high school sweetheart Avery and their infant son. Tunnel to Towers reached out to Avery within days of Seth's death to tell her she would receive a mortgage-free home. Avery didn't have to worry about where she and her son were going to live or how she would pay for it because of the financial security and support provided by Tunnel to Towers. Tunnel to Towers has helped over 1,000 military and first responder families navigate the worst of times by removing the burden of a mortgage payment. Support our nation's heroes and their families. Donate $11 a month, please, to Tunnel to Towers. Go to T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Okay, so we are early here in the primary process. Now, it's not really a Democrat primary, though I'll probably ask you about that, too, in RFK Jr. here in a second, Michael. But what are you seeing on the Republican side? What's surprising you? What's important to you? What do you think would need to change? Um, so I, I think what is surprising is, in full disclosure, I have not endorsed a candidate and I don't intend to uh, anytime soon so that I can be free to comment on the candidates. What has surprised me, a couple of things. So when Trump was first indicted in New York, he has seen a meteoric, stratospheric uh, uh, rise in his popularity among Republican primary voters. And, you know, I, I would have guessed, you, you never know. I mean, it's easy to say that what's happened, everyone says that that's what they believed. But then you go back and look and you say, well, that's not what you said. So one thing I would say is Trump's popularity has increased so dramatically since that first uh, indictment, and it's continued since then. I don't think Trump himself changed. It's just that the voter uh, really, really fell back in love with Trump. I think that's been an interesting phenomenon. Second was, I think DeSantis had an opportunity and a lot of hope. I had not watched DeSantis that closely but I, I, I don't think he has lived up to that promise so far. Now, I've been around this process a very long time, and I know you have, as an office holder, as a candidate, running campaigns and commenting on campaigns for a very long time. And we're a long way away from January just yet. And we're going to have some ups and downs and swings and all that. Uh, and DeSantis still has a, an opportunity to win it all. But I see a lot of missteps on on his part. Yeah, and, let's, and let's get I, into that. What what if you were advising him and you haven't endorsed? I haven't endorsed, and I, I have a rule that I I won't endorse during a primary. Um, but same uh, basic uh, idea that you have, Mike, which is yeah. I want to be able to talk about what Trump is doing right, what I think Trump should uh, should do differently, what yes. Vivek Vivek is doing right, you know, etc. All all the way down. Um, DeSantis hasn't connected the way that at this point. As reflected in the polls, people thought he would. Why? Uh, I think DeSantis is, uh, Trump is in DeSantis's head, and I think he's too focused on Trump. And that is where Trump is so good. Trump is, you know, 
great basketball players, when when the ref isn't watching, they pull at your jersey, right? They'll they'll they'll. Larry Bird was a was a smack talker. People don't realize to what extent they play head games, and Trump is a master of that. I mean, it's it, it's hard to estimate for the average person what how this guy taunts you and how he does the things he does, the nicknames and those sorts of things, and it gets in the guy's head. And I honestly think that DeSantis's problem is he's never introduced himself as Ron DeSantis. He's introduced himself in a way that he's almost responding to Trump. And 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 part of the problem is the media and and people only want to talk about Trump because love him or hate him, it, there's a lot of drama there. And I think that that makes it hard for DeSantis and he's having trouble finding his lane. And he's going to have to find that if, if he's ever going to get any traction. And thus far, I don't think he's done that. What do you think about Glenn Youngkin in the mix here in some capacity. Do you think he might get in the governor of Virginia or you think he's going to wait it out? What do you see? I just don't see it making a bit of difference. You know, we all rooted for for Glenn Youngkin because he wasn't Terry McAuliffe. I, I don't see him as as, a, as presidential timber in 28 or any time else. I, I just don't see him as a guy with the gravitas. And, and you know, you got to have an organization, right? You got to be able to raise money. You got to be able to travel. You have to be able to have surrogates. I was big for for Ted Cruz in 2016. I introduced him in in Iowa the night before the big win. People forget Cruz won Iowa. I hated Trump. I despised Trump. I grew to appreciate him as president and I grew to appreciate his skill set. But at that point, I didn't believe he was serious. I thought he was a fraud. I thought he might be a, 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 a Trojan horse for the left. I was very concerned with that. Uh, but I grew to appreciate a guy that didn't raise money, didn't have the surrogate team, but his mastery of mass media is unparalleled. And, and there's no number two. The guy didn't need to spend money. He got uh, uh, mass media. I just see Yunkin as a guy kind of like a, a Asa Hutchison or Chris Christie or whatever else. It's not that people like him or like him. They just don't care. Interesting. Interesting. He's uh, somebody who you've feels like he's poked around a little bit. You know, Vivek um, is doing better than a lot of people would have anticipated. At the latest poll I saw, he was in third at 8%. Now, 8% is way behind Trump at 50-something and DeSantis at 20-something. But uh, still, uh, there's there's a lot of time, as you noted. I want to ask you about the Democrat well, side. I will say this. I think that I, think that I, I have declared Vivek Ramaswamy as the winner of 2024 already. You don't need to cast the votes. You don't need to count the votes. Vivek doesn't get more votes than anybody else necessarily. But Vivek has gone from a guy with a lot of money and a lot of great ideas and a lot of energy with nothing to lose, who is now being quoted and engaged. He is now having some level of influence all over the country. He's having a blast. When's the last time you saw a candidate have fun? He's having a blast. People are listening to him. His ideas are being bantered, even if you disagree with them. He's coming off great. He probably ends up a cabinet official in whoever wins, DeSantis or Trump. He probably ends up a cabinet official in their in their uh, in their White House. Yeah. Otherwise, he gets a national TV show. I mean, that guy's having a blast, and he's already won. He's he's come so far. Unless there's a massive scandal, and I don't see it, that guy's the biggest winner of 2024 already. He's done very well for himself, for sure. I want to ask you about yeah. the Democrat side, Michael, in just a second, because yes. there's been some really interesting movement and even more interesting theories about what's going to happen. We'll get to that in just a moment. But 
Look, there'll be a day in your life, if it hasn't happened already, that you come to appreciate owning gold. I'm talking about real gold. Michael, do you own some gold? I do own some gold. Yeah, I own gold. I think it's a good idea. Gold is good. It's solid. And it's something that is about long-term value and preparation for an uncertain future. You know who you should get your gold from? The Oxford Gold Group. Their team makes it simple to understand and to purchase and have gold delivered directly to your home. The value and stability of gold as both an investment and a hedge against inflation has been proven throughout history. Gold and silver can be protection for your portfolio. Call the Oxford Gold Group today. It's who I use. It's who I trust. 833-430-BUCK. That's 833-430-BUCK. Like I said, easy, discreet delivery right to your home. 833-430-BUCK. Okay. Is Joe Biden going to be the Democrat nominee? Let's start with that one. I'm never one to predict because you just end up wrong. If I were to say today, I still think if you're placing odds, I still think the odds are in his favor. Now, um, the problem with the Democrats is they don't have a, a stalking horse in waiting. They don't have a replacement in waiting. And I think there's a real challenge for the Susan Rices and the people who are running the country and using Joe Biden to do that. You've got to wound Biden to get him to step down. You've got to scare him that, look, uh, Hunter's going to go to prison. You've got to step down so we can save Hunter, and that might be enough for him to do it. But you also don't want to wound him so badly that if he doesn't step down, because they still believe he's enough to allow him to allow them to beat Trump. So I think that, that, that the odds are still better for Joe Biden, if he's still alive, that he's the nominee than anyone else. I don't think RFK ever gets there. I think Newsom is probably the candidate. But look, we would have thought Dianne Feinstein would be out of the Senate by now because Adam Schiff was was shiving her in the back. But, you know, they, they hang around. Or who would have thought Fetterman would be the candidate? I think the machinations behind the scenes as to the utility of a guy like Biden are greater than the average person quite understands, particularly when there's no one in waiting uh, that's the obvious choice. And I think in the polling shows... Kamala Harris is even more unpopular than Joe Biden. So, um, you know, that that gets interesting. Look, Republicans have a real challenge with the Trump issue versus DeSantis. I think Democrats have a real challenge with the Biden issue and a lack of replacement. And the difference is the supposed Republican problem. A lot of Republicans love Trump. No Democrats love Biden. What do you think is the biggest if you had to focus in on one aspect of who we've seen Joe Biden to be at this point, what, what is it for you? Like what, what is the center of his, of his core of his character? You know, this would probably surprise some people to say, but Joe Biden in the eighties was a man of some conviction. And he was a man who acted on those convictions. He was a relatively conservative Democrat who was law and order. And that was all about Joe Biden. It was law and order. And, and he was kind of a middle of the road guy. Somewhere along the way, when he loses in 88 because of all his plagiarism, which comes out, when he loses in 2008 to what he called that clean, bright, articulate black guy, which was one of the worst insults he ever could have delivered. I think somewhere along the way, Joe Biden said, the Democrat Party left me behind. 
I'm a white male. And for, for me to talk my way into getting to be their nominee and now staying as their president, whatever idea they give me, oh, you want trans people at the White House showing their nipples? Great. I've always been for that. No, you haven't. You want criminals to not be prosecuted? I've always been for that. No, you haven't. You want, I mean, it doesn't matter what you, what, what they put in front of him. He's Anchorman and, and he'll read F.U. San Diego. He'll, he'll do what you tell him to do if he just gets to stay there. He always wanted to be president and he's getting to be president and you can't forget that. So I'm going to give you a moment to think about this one before we go into our, uh, our last uh, sponsor, Mike, and it is, um, what is the idea that you feel very strongly about these days that you get the most heat for? How, however you want to, it can be anything, cultural, social, this movie is great, or that thing is terrible, whatever it is. I want to come back. I want to know what gets the czar of talk some heat these days, and you're digging in on it, and you're saying, I'm all in. But I'll, I'll give you a moment on that one. My pillow is good at a lot of things, as you know, including their ability to deliver amazing value at phenomenal prices. Their latest offer is a six-piece towel set for just $25. Regular price is $99.98, so this sale is worthy of your attention. Set comes with two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths, now retailing for just $25. That's over 70% in savings. To find this offer, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square to get this clearance price of $25 on the towel set. Enter my name as the promo code BUCK to get this $25 deal for the two-bath, two-hand towel, and two-washcloth set. MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK. All right, what gets you the heat, Michael? Well, I got heat yesterday because a listener pointed out that I think that Skid Row's 18 in Life is the best power ballad of all time. And everybody criticized, but nobody could offer an alternative. My favorite rock band of my favorite band of all time is Leonard Skinner. And I catch a bunch of crap from people for that. My second favorite band of all time is the band. Um, and that's because people have never really studied, uh, their stuff. Uh, let's see. I was trying to think of a good political issue, but you know, what's interesting. And, and I'm sure you've noticed this. It's, it, this is not just an, I told you so thing. There were views I had three years ago that even even some friends were like, Michael, I love you, but you're a little out there on the whole COVID thing. I mean, it's really, oh, yeah. wow. And now they go, you know, I don't, I don't want your head to get too big, but I, you were right. Um, and, and so, but I, you know, I disassociate it. And, and, you know, doing what we do, sometimes it's hard to socialize in a group because people listen to you all day. And so they want to be bombastic and argue with you. And you've done that all day already. You just, you know, kind of want to have a beer and not be bothered. Well, I'll give um, you a, I'll give you a political one that I that I stand behind, which is that um, people underestimate the ability of the Democrat Party if it decides to to elevate Kamala Harris and get a lot of people to vote for. I'm not saying that means she would win against Trump, but if they could get her to take over for, let's say, they are able to push Biden across the finish line, just theoretically, and then she takes over as president. The whole system will switch into how she's grown into the role and she's not as terrible yeah. as we thought. And because I always point, I said, look at Biden was a joke. Biden was a, like a 4% no candidate in 2008. And look who ended up winning in 2020, right? I mean, I, I just think that people. Well, for the um, sake of argument, let, let, me, let me offer an alternative. Uh, sure. and, and by full disclosure, 
in early 2016, really late 2015, I handicapped that Kamala would be there at the finish line. She may not win, but it would be her and someone else. Her intersectionality score is the highest in history. She's a woman. She's not white. She's She claims black. She claims Indian. So you got the immigrant side. Um, she, she claims law enforcement background, uh, but she also claims liberal California values. I mean, she's pretty much the anti-Joe Biden. And then when she went after Biden and said, I'm that little girl on the bus, that was a powerful moment. That was the, I knew John Kennedy. I served with John Kennedy. You're no John Kennedy moment. She was out before Iowa. Something about her people really don't like. And, you know, the polls show that people like Michelle Obama. I don't like that fact, but the polls show it. People have a visceral dislike of Kamala Harris, and the Democrats have not been able to fix that. And I'm not sure what causes. I love it, but I'm not sure what causes it. I'm not. I I do have one. Let me go back if you have a moment, Buck, to, to your earlier question. And that is something that that has been brewing of late. You and I have a lot of friends, particularly Miami friends, um, who are uh, on both sides of the Trump uh, DeSantis uh, debate. And there seems to be this view in the DeSantis camp. And, And some people that I really like and admire seem to have this. And that is that we you and I need to stand up and tell voters that Trump can't win. You, and then when 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 they don't listen, then we you idiot Trump voters, uh, Trump can't win. You idiot Trump voters, you're costing us. At some point, we can't preach that we believe the voter should be sacrosanct, and then in the second breath say, "But you voters are so stupid because you're part of the Trump cult." If people want Donald Trump, whether Karl Rove thinks that's the most strategic endeavor or not doesn't matter. We're supposed to respect the process of the everyday voter. And when we say, I'm smarter than you because I have a national radio audience or TV audience or or newsletter or platform, I think we're sending the wrong message to voters. And it disturbs me that some people seem to have that opinion. DeSantis is the right choice, even if the voters don't want. That's not your best argument for Ron DeSantis. So that's been something I've kind of been arguing with folks over uh, of late. I'd no, say. I, I think that's I think that's fair. And I think that what you see with uh, with the way that conversation is evolving is uh, if if Ron is going to win, he needs to be able to win over the base. Right. I mean, the electability argument yeah. to me is the, the whole, you know, the primary. Yeah, I understand you're not appealing to the center the same way, but. If you can't win the primary, um, the general election is a whole level beyond in terms of the organization, the endurance, the things that are needed, the national messaging. So because otherwise you're going back and saying, all right, there was Jeb Bush who had all the money in the world and the Bush family and all the, you know, intelligentsia. But the voters didn't want him. And then you go back to 2012. Mitt Romney, the guy who's supposed to be the most presidential guy ever. The base hates him. He loses. Uh, you go back to 2008, John McCain, who hung around forever, but he's a senator. He's a serious man. He's a good man. He should be president. The base hated him. So I think at some point you've got these guys that the insiders tell you, you know, he can be the president. You've got to win the base. And I think that's been a struggle for DeSantis. And we partly underestimate he's been the governor of Florida. It's going to take him some time. He may well grow into it or he may not. 
But I will say this, having been a cruise guy in 16, the juggernaut that is Donald Trump is not to be underestimated. And I think people do so at their peril. They don't realize how beloved he is from your listeners, from my yeah. listeners, and from voters. I mean, it's, it's a deep, deep bond. There are so many ways. First off, I mean, you can look at uh, you can look at 2020 and see that it was about, let's say, less than 30,000 votes that ended up being the difference in what three states um, that were the deciding factor there. So you're talking about being on the very tip of a razor's edge in that election. So I can understand the arguments that say this time around, now that people have seen Biden, they understand that the fraud of the whole Biden promise that he was going to unite the country. And then there's even also, and I always point this out, Michael, because I say no one can predict the future, which is, I, I say it not just to remind the audience, but really to remind myself, nobody can predict the future. It is a fact. Um, you have so many, you could have a third party candidacy here. You could have, does Joe Biden even make it? You know, I'm just saying the guy's, he's really old. Is he able to finish the campaign? There are things that could upend the whole race that could very easily mean that Donald Trump would win. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, uh, I, I, th- I agree with you that, that the electability argument, and this is, this becomes a tautology, right? It's like, you know, who's electable? The guy who gets elected. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, the electability argument is something people need to be aware of, of how that flows. Um, I think that the argument that is the, you'll hear it from DeSantis, from people that support DeSantis, I should say, is we need to take a look back at what really happened while Trump was president and assess that in a way that is different from what the prevailing narrative is within Trump world. Do you know what I mean? That's the, for some of them, it's not even can he win. It's what's he going to do if he does win based on what he did the last time. And that, in some ways, I think gets even more contentious. You know, that becomes even more of a of a knockdown, throwdown kind of fight. It does, especially because so many of the DeSantis folks were with Trump before. And so now there is this sort of Trump is the devil where you were with him. And, and the other thing is you just can't. Trump is a slugger. I mean, one thing you have to admire about Trump is no matter how many times you knock him down, whatever you may think of him, the guy's a fighter. He's a brawler, and he's going to be back. And I've never seen a candidate like this before. I've never in my life, uh, even more so than Bill Clinton, the guy, no matter what happens, he gives a speech 15 minutes later, and you go, that's the speech you should have been given for you know seven years. And it's not till he gets indicted that he delivers it in that manner. So I think we're living through fast. For you and I, you know, getting to comment on this in real time, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches. I worry about the country, uh, but it's a really interesting time to do what we do. Do you think they want to lock Trump up? Uh, When I say want to, would they be willing to? I do. I I, I think they would be willing, but I also think it's one of those, if if you go for the king, you got to kill him. And I think the fear is if we lock him up for one minute and he gets out, it's Napoleon coming back, you know, from Elba. I think there is the understanding that you can't just send him into exile. If you go for him, you better take him out because he'll come back stronger than ever. And I have maintained all along that Donald Trump is more than anything else, the projection of our hopes, dreams, fears, angers, resentments, slights, optimism. We foist them upon him and he is the... the, the the canvas upon which we paint our own lives. And so every when we're angry with the FBI for what they do, and then they wrong him by the Mar-a-Lago uh, raid, then he becomes our outlet to punish them. 
Um, when, when we see things that are done wrong, the media does wrong. When Jake Tapper says, we're not going to show Donald Trump's statements because he lies, but you'll show Joe Biden's statements and he lies. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. The only way we can express our anger is to support what Trump does. And in that way, he becomes an instrument of all of us, good or bad. Um, he becomes an instrument by which we punish those people. And sometimes we feel like we don't get to punish them. And I think he understands that. And I think he bears that burden. And I think that's his greatest asset and maybe his greatest uh, cross that he has to bear. Who do you think the likeliest, let's assume it is Trump, which right now the numbers certainly are indicating, although it is, it is early. Um, who is his vice presidential pick in your mind and why? Very interesting question. And I, I've spent a fair amount of time. There, there's some thought that, that uh, you know, whether it's Brian Kemp to bring in uh, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I buy that. Um, you know, I, I, I've even had folks float the, the RFK. I don't see that happening, um, but it's, it's an interesting thing. The reason you don't go for an RFK kind of kind of candidate, you know, you think you think back to the Lieberman days as a VP. The, the reason you don't do that is because the base will punish you. But the base is with Trump no matter what he does. And that creates an interesting uh, uh, paradox because it doesn't keep Trump honest. I think sometimes he, he strays from from where he should be um, because the, the base won't punish him. But by the same token, it gives him the freedom to do things like Nixon going to China because the base will always forgive him. And so um, I don't know. You know, you and I don't really have managers so, per se. And sometimes maybe we get ourselves in trouble because of it. But not having managers means we also have the flexibility to do what we want to do. So there is that challenge. I don't have the answer to, to that statement just yet. I do think it's a woman he will never say it's going to be a woman, but I do think it's a woman. I who, hope it's not. Who do not you think would be, if, if you were advising him, who do you think would be the smartest female to put on his ticket? Christy Nome, that gorgeous woman from the Dakotas. Now, oh. the, the base doesn't like a lot of things about her. And look, she doesn't deliver a big state that you weren't going to win already. Uh, and then there's always the danger that there's a Sarah Palin phenomenon, that she looks silly or she looks like she's a performance artist or whatever else. I think she's more serious than Sarah Palin. I'm not a fan of hers, although I think she's gorgeous. Uh, but I do think that he's smart enough to know that that's a weakness and he can't have an old, white, um, conservative, wingtip-wearing Christian guy like Mike Pence. I, I think he, he saw that as Pence not adding, adding anything. And so I think he wants... I think he would want a woman that might be more appealing to the base, uh, to, to the suburban women. And, and I think that whoever pitches that to him is going to win out. That's the smart choice. From an electoral perspective, not a who would be great president, I think that's the smart choice. Everybody, you should go check out. You can listen live to the Michael Berry Show on uh, KTRH in Houston. Um, but you can also listen to the podcast of it on the iHeartRadio app, wherever you get your podcast, The Michael Barry Show, The Czar of Talk. Mr. Barry, always an honor, sir. Thanks for spending some time with us here. Appreciate you. You're a good friend. Thank you, Buck. You too, sir. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. 
These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He's on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.